Welcome to the Psalms, a call to words podcast where timeless truths shape today's words. I am your host, David Bunce, and I hope that you will be blessed as we journey through the great songbook of the Bible. Hello, my name is Evan Sams, and I welcome you back to another episode of the Call to Words podcast as we continue our journey through Psalm 119. Today we will be looking at verses 57 through 64, the heth section of the psalm. I would invite you, if you've got a Bible, to open that with us. Scroll into it in the app. If you're listening to this with us, just go ahead and turn that volume up just a little bit. It's my delight to open the word of the Lord with you today, and so now we turn our attention to that. Psalm 119, verse 57. The Lord is my portion. I promise to keep your words. I entreat your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your promise. When I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. At midnight, I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. Verse 47 of this passage opens with David's declaration that the Lord is his portion, that the Lord is his inheritance, that as a covenant member in relationship with Yahweh, that the inheritance eternally of David is life with God and blessing forever. What is David's response to this? It's that he promises to keep God's words. Isn't this reminiscent of Jesus telling his disciples that if you love me, you will keep my commandments? You see, we inherit eternal life in Christ when we love him rightly. That love is demonstrated in our lives by a joyful obedience and submission to his word. Isn't that the same thing we see here in Psalm 119.57, that the Lord being David's portion causes David to then turn and promise to keep his words? He understands that to receive this inheritance to delight in God forever, he ought to keep God's words and his promises. So in 58, he says, I entreat your favor with all my heart. God, be favorable to me. Show me blessing. Be gracious to me, he says, according to your promise. You see, God's promise, again here referenced in David. David is saturated in God's promises, what it means to know that God's word is certain. You can think about the time where he was... Uh, inaugurated to be king, that there was the prophecy given that he would be the king one day. And then in 2 Samuel 7, we see the establishment of the Davidic kingship and the Davidic covenant as well, and God making all these promises about an eternal throne, which an heir of David will sit on forever. David is steeped in the language and the knowledge and the certainty of God's promises. And so he delights in them. His desire is to continue to receive grace and blessing and favor from the God of those promises. So in verse 59, when he says, when I think on my ways, I turn my feet to your testimonies. When I think back to my life, the things that have gone on and God, the promises that you have kept certain and surely fulfilled, I turn my feet to your testimonies, or I remember what you've done, God, you're faithful, I'm going to continue to turn and orient my life toward your testimonies, toward your words, toward your commands. David does this with 
urgency and with fervor, we can look at verse 60 where he says, I hasten and do not delay to keep your commandments. David is not asking God, well, God, how close or how far from your word can I get or how close to this danger can I get? David is hastily keeping God's commandments that he does not want to let go for one moment the desire to be obedient. Now, we know through Scripture, David did not do this perfectly. We do not do this perfectly, but certainly this ought to be the aim of our life as those who belong to God in Christ, that we would, with urgency, pressing urgency and emergency, seek to keep God's commandments because they're good. They lead to blessing. They lead to knowing God and delighting in Him as we dwell on His Word, as we dwell on His promises, aren't our hearts built up to face the enemy, to overcome temptation by the power of the Spirit who is working out in us His fruit, which is the character of God eternal? We look to Galatians 5 where we can see the works of the flesh contrasted with the fruit of the Spirit. Isn't that what happens when we meditate on God's law, when we keep it fervently, when we don't make excuses to not keep it, but when we run towards it, don't we receive blessing from God? Don't we delight in his word and in knowing him? Certainly we benefit from David's expression of urgency here in verse 60. This urgency too is contrasted with his situation. Verse 61, David is in persecution. He says, the cords of the wicked ensnare me. He is surrounded by wicked men. We see language of wicked men and wickedness all throughout the Psalter. It's those men who hate God, who hate his word, who defy Yahweh, who do not submit to his gracious law. David's saying, the cords of the wicked ensnared me. I'm surrounded by wicked men. But what's his response to that? Lord, you know, I did that thing because I was in a context and that context made it amenable for me to behave a certain way, to say a certain thing, to X, Y, Z. No. David says that though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. The law of the Lord is so sweet to David that in the face of the wicked being surrounded by wicked men, persecution, we read of David being chased after by his enemies throughout the Psalter and throughout the Old Testament. David says, God, the cords of the wicked ensnare me, but I do not forget your law. It's precious. It's life-giving. We even could look back a couple of sections here to verse 45 and where David says, I shall walk in a wide place for I have sought your precepts. You see, God's word makes level David's path. And here, even in the face of the wicked, the law of God is close and near at hand, even surrounded by the wicked. He is seeking to keep God's law. We press on that. I press on that now to remind us that whatever age we find ourselves in, whatever context we find ourselves in, that it is never wrong. It is always good to remember God's law and to seek to keep it despite anything in front of us. We live in an era of urgency where we cannot delay or dally in keeping God's law. We live in a world where everything is just on fire, and the only life raft, the only hope we have to rise above it is the promises of God in Christ, that this world is not how it will always be, but that one day it's going to be made new, and those who know Christ by His Word and obey Him by the power of His Spirit will behold Him face to face. 
So we do not forget the word of God in the face of persecution, in the face of enemies, in the context of where we may be surrounded by wickedness. We do not let go of the law of the Lord by his spirit at work within us. So David continues in verse 62, At midnight I rise to praise you because of your righteous rules. This could be a literal midnight rising. One commentator supposes that it's a device to demonstrate that David, even when there are no eyes on him, offers praise to God befitting of his character and his work. This is a compelling reading of verse 62. It would speak to the consistency of David's character, that he's not writing about something that he has not lived or experienced, but that God at all times of day, day or night, is worthy of praise, and that David, in the company of men or in solace, regularly praises the Lord for his righteous rules, for his words. Because of this, David continues in verse 63, I am a companion of all who fear you, of those who keep your precepts. You see, David finds friendship and love and camaraderie with those who also love the precepts, the statutes, the words, the promises of God given to his covenant people. Isn't this a picture of what happens in our churches on Sundays where believers from all walks of life, from any variety of backgrounds come together and our unity is not in anything outside of Christ and Christ alone. Sure, we may share other interests, but that's probably not how we principally became connected in the local church. Rather, Christ, by his shed blood, by his resurrection, in his ascension, is uniting a people to himself by the work of the Spirit that he and the Father have sent, and that Spirit is uniting Christ's church, and it's rallying communities where Christ's people are, that they are committed to his word, that they gather regularly, that they sing the truths of scripture, that they pray the truths of scripture, that the Bible is preached and taught faithfully that God's promises might comfort God's people. David finds companionship with all those who love God's word, and so do Christians. We are united to one another into one body. We belong to Christ by his spirit in faith, by grace alone, not works. It's not ours to boast. It's a work that he has done. But shouldn't this inspire us to dig into these relationships in our local church that we might continue to encourage and build up one another towards love and good deeds, good works which God has prepared for us to walk in in Christ Jesus even before we were saved? It's Ephesians 2.10. Finally, Psalm 119 verse 64 David ends in a word of praise. The earth, O Lord, is full of your steadfast love. Teach me your statutes. David frames here what we might first think to be framed in Romans 1, that the earth, Lord, is full of your steadfast love, that the evidence of a creator God is evident throughout all of creation. David understands this from the vantage point of a covenant member with Yahweh, that he is an heir to the promises of God. David implores the Lord after recognizing that the earth is full of his steadfast love and implores the Lord that he would continue to teach David his statutes. You see, God is transcendent. That is, he is above our plane of understanding, that he is outside of time. He is glorious above 
all, but he is also imminent. He is present. He is at work. He is involved in his creation. And we know that in Christ because Christ took on flesh. He lived a perfect life of active obedience before the Father. He kept the law where we could not. And then in the ultimate great exchange, the plot twist of creation is that God took on flesh and then died in the stead of sinners. He was buried and three days later was raised and 40 days later ascended to the right hand of the Father and he's going to come back and he's going to unite his people to himself forever and ever that we will delight in him and enjoy him and behold him face to face. In this life, though, what do we ask of the Lord? Well, certainly we ask Him to teach us His statutes, that we would believe His Word, that we would take to heart His promises, that we would, by the Spirit, delight in obedience, that our love for the Son would be sincere, that the faith that the Spirit has given us would move us toward love and obedience of God and of His church. This is a good word for us. May we be encouraged to love Christ's church, to continue to grow in our love for God's word, that in all circumstances we might be comforted by his promises. Let's pray. Lord, you are the portion of your people. Would you teach us to keep your words? Would you show us favor? Would you, God, bless us richly in Christ? being gracious with us according to your promises that according to James 1 where we like wisdom we ought to ask you and you will give it where we want to put to death the works of the flesh God that you might teach us to walk according to your spirit that we might not gratify the desires of our flesh when we think of your faithfulness in our lives God would you be at work in us and would you turn our feet to keep your testimonies not delaying to keep your commandments, but even in the face of the wicked, of the godless, of those revilers, that we might not forget your law. That not just publicly, but also privately in personal devotion, we might praise you because of your righteous rules. And that we would find companionship and friendship in Christ, in your church, that we might build one another up, encouraging one another with the confidence and surety and certainty of your promises to us in your word that we would keep your precepts. God, you are the king over all the world. This is your world. Would you help us to see your steadfast love? Would you teach us to delight in obedience that we might keep your statutes, that we might delight in your word, and that we might glorify you, O God, our rock and our redeemer? We ask all of this for your glory and for our good, O oh God. Amen. Thank you for listening to The Psalms, a Called to Words podcast. For more content, just visit calledtowords.com. I hope you will join us again next time for more riches from The Psalms.